the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was one hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. So the child grew and was weaned. Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. What is life's most anticipated, terrifying, and thrilling event? For me, it was the birth of our first child. Greatly anticipated. August 22nd, 1978 came. I was in the waiting room. Back in the day, I was old school. I wasn't in there holding her hand, scared out of my liver all night long. And then the sun arose, and a little while later, I looked into the eyes of our daughter, who I think really looked back at me. I felt this connection that I still feel with her. Today, we're at the time when Isaac is born in our journey through the book of Genesis, it's a miraculous birth. His parents are old. His mother is pushing 91, if not 91 already. And his dad is over 100. Exciting. No doubt scary when you're that old too. The Lord had done something in her body. In the previous chapter, a king wanted her for his wife. That was a scandal that happened. But God's grace works through scandals, doesn't he? We'll come back to that. So looking at our text, we're going to look at this and, and look at the birth of Jesus. This is our kind of our opening the Advent season sermon, not that we hold to that tradition. We celebrate his birth every day, right? It's Christmas in July. I saw it <laughs> on the Harmark channel. All right. Chapter 21, verse 1, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. So 25 years previously, the Lord promised this child. And then in the previous year, he told him when it was going to happen. This wasn't something that Abraham was praying for. Uh, that we see recorded in the scripture. It wasn't something he dreamed up. He didn't name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, stab it and slab it and kill it and chill it. 
God gave him this promise, and he wrestled with doubt. Sometimes he didn't wrestle. He just gave into it. And yet God is true to his word. When he says it, you can take it to the bank. But be sure he says it. I remember Peter came up with an idea of building three tabernacles, and a voice from heaven said, listen to my son. We need to listen to the Lord. So Sarah conceived this son in her old age, and she gave birth to him. And Abraham, in obedience to God, called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac, which means laughter. They had both laughed at separate occasions at even the thought. What is it that makes things funny? It's the element of the unexpected. The hook and the joke you didn't see coming. The event in life that is so crazy This emotion of laughter hits just to kind of break the suspense. And now he is born and now there's more laughter and he's named laughter. Verse 4, then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. As a symbol of their covenant, God instituted circumcision that they would practice throughout their generations and The descendants of Abraham have done this from this point on, from the point of God initiating covenant with this man onward through the history. On the eighth day, the blood clotting agents in a male's life are about 10% higher than they are before or after the eighth day. So it's a prime time for surgery. Ouch. As God had commanded him. Verse 5, now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said... God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? I mean, she's going all the way with this thing at 90 plus years of age. For I have borne him a son in his old age. So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. Now, in our culture, sometimes that might mean three months old, three weeks old, six weeks old, six months old, a year old. But in, in the rest of the world, three years, three years is normal. Now, on the internet, the pro-nursing camp has a theory that it's actually 4.2 years but they're fighting it out on the internet. So we'll just say this, this baby was at least three years old. And his brother Ishmael, who was 13 when the pregnancy happened, and is mocking him. So he's over 17. So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. Yes, people food, real food, <laughs> chewable food only from now on. Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. So he's laughing too, but it's a different kind of laughter. Therefore, she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing to Abraham's sight because of his son. So this is a painful part of the story we won't look at today. When we doubt God and we move in unbelief, we sometimes cause stuff that we have to deal with. And this was 
a lesson there. The Bible doesn't hide the scandals. It just tells them. Not that we're to follow their example. When you see a scandal, that's not something you're supposed to do, but it's just to give you hope that God can extend grace to these people. I've got hope. Who's got hope? Let's pray. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that your word would speak to us today in such a way that we appreciate your love for us more than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today about prophetic parallels with Isaac and Jesus. Two miracle sons that were prophesied, as we're going to see, to Abraham. Aging Abraham and Sarah were promised a miracle son. Abraham was first, and then Sarah, she was included. Isaac would be in an everlasting covenant with the Lord. We see this in chapter 17. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. You shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. So this is the son through whom the covenant with God was made. And so when he was born, he was given a name, but so was God. The God of Abraham is now the God of Abraham and Isaac. And when he has a son who follows through in this covenant, he will be known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we as Gentiles are grafted into that amazing covenant. While still a virgin, Mary was promised a miracle son. Now she's young, she's not old, but she's a virgin. And he would reign over an eternal kingdom as God's son. He would establish an eternal covenant, a new covenant, a, Hebrews says, a better covenant was extended to the whole world and not just to natural descendants. When the angel visited Mary, he said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. We'll look at a prophecy there. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary said since I am a virgin. The angel told her the Holy Spirit would overshadow her. And her response wasn't, well, maybe she laughed in fear, but it wasn't in unbelief. She said, be it unto me according to your word. Two sons, two descendants of Abraham. Through someone barren and too old to have children, through someone young, old enough for children, but a virgin. He would reign over the eternal kingdom. The Lord fulfilled his years old promises to this old couple. He fulfilled those promises that he gave over the course of 25 years. Abraham obeyed God's commands regarding his son. And we saw this today. The Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time of which God had spoken to him, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. 
And when Jesus, in like manner, part of this covenant was eight days old, he too was circumcised. Jesus' birth was a fulfillment not of 25 years of promises, but centuries of promises, hundreds of years of promises given through various prophets, as we'll see. Joseph obeyed God's commands regarding his wife and son. When he struggled, what in the world's going on with my fiance? He too had an angelic visitation. And Luke chapter 2, in talking about this, says, when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb, given to Mary and Joseph. So you see a parallel? Named before conception, circumcised, miraculous birth, benefiting the world. In the visitation to Joseph, the same angel appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, that's significant right there, descendant of David, he's going to be a father to this child. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And Jesus means Yahweh saves, or Yeshua, Jehovah saves, or Yehovah saves. Now, all this will be done, all this was done, continuing in the same chapter, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, going to Isaiah, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So God has come near to have relationship with us. Thank God for the faith of Abraham and Sarah and Mary and Joseph. He continues in the same chapter. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her. That is, he did not enjoy the joys of being married to a woman they didn't have sex, till she brought forth her firstborn son. Till. So she was not a virgin perpetually, and she did not only have one child. And he called his name Jesus. Prophetic parallels with Isaac and Jesus. Here are some things that we looked at. Aging Abraham and Sarah were promised a miracle son. Isaac would be in an everlasting covenant with the Lord. While still a virgin, Mary was promised a miracle son. He would reign over an eternal kingdom as God's son. He would establish a new covenant, which he did on the night of his betrayal. The Lord fulfilled his years old promise to this old couple, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham obeyed God's commands regarding his son. And finally, Jesus' birth was the fulfillment of centuries-old promises. And Joseph obeyed God's commands regarding his wife and son and did his duty. Both cases, there's scandal nearby that we'll look at in, in our conclusion today. 
The promises to Abraham for his descendants came at several points in his life. The first occasion we see, 75 years old, Genesis 12, God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That, my friends, is Jesus. How many families in the house have been blessed by him? Even the unbelieving families are blessed by Christmas. Now, they got it all messed up with elves and Santa and gnomes and stuff. But in chapter 15, the Lord visits him again and said, this one will not be your heir. He had said, you know, uh, I've got this servant, Eliezer, born in my house. I still don't have a child. You've promised me this. Let Eliezer is going to be the guy. And he says, no, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. John, the revelator who wrote the revelation of Jesus Christ, book by that title, the end of your Bible, saw a number that no one could number because the faith of Abraham. There's an old song that says, when John saw that number that no man could number, I wonder if John saw me. (laughs) In chapter 17, he told Abraham, I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And God made this covenant with him while he was asleep. God made a covenant by himself for this man. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. And their daughter-in-law, Rebekah, had Two sons, Jacob and Esau, the fathers of two nations. I mean, it didn't take long to begin to be fulfilled. In chapter 18, the Lord asked him, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Can we say promises? These are promises from God. They're not fantasies from his mind. These things came to him. If he had a choice, he may not have wanted this. The next chapter we'll see that he's told, in your seed, notice it's singular, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you obeyed my voice. 
We saw in the first visitation that's recorded in Genesis, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And here, in your seed, he's already had the first promised son, Isaac, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Has America been blessed by this Abrahamic seed? Yes. We're blessed by all his descendants, but especially by that one. Now here's some messianic promises for us that relate to Jesus. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed, and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. We just mentioned those. And then in 1 Chronicles 17, this is the promise made to David. It shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed, notice singular, after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, you might think on the surface, oh, this is going to be Solomon. But no, if you look at Solomon's life, he didn't fulfill this. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forever. Lord Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Talk about a throne. Talk about authority. Descendant of David, son of David, is the fulfillment of this promise. It's interesting to me that the day of Pentecost, when his kingdom really took off on the earth, the church was born, was the same day that David's death is remembered, was remembered. And in his first sermon, Peter alluded to David's grave. So there's two graves, David's tomb and the tomb of Jesus. And the tomb of Jesus was empty. But he was the fulfillment of this amazing messianic promise. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Here's the sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the Lord gave these predictions that would point to his son centuries earlier. In chapter 9 of the same book, Famous passage, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you're going to have a counselor, you want a wonderful one, don't you? You don't want to go to a bad counselor. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now looking back over the history of the church, it's been 20 centuries, 
It's not always been a good history, has it? Not always been perfect. But Jesus is still reigning. He's still prevailing. And the story is not over. He's coming back for a bride without spot or Micah 5 predicted his birth in Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. So the place of his birth is predicted. And Hosea also said, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Now, Abraham, after getting the promise of having the seed, wound up going to Egypt. Yeah, there was a scandal there, but he still went there and then came out of Egypt. His descendants wound up there for 400 years, and then God brought them out. When Christ was born, they escaped to Egypt because the Herod in power at that time was going to kill all the baby boys in the region from a certain age on down to birth. So they went there and survived and then came back. And a bad Herod was still in power, so they moved to Galilee where he was raised. So we're talking about prophetic parallels with Isaac and Jesus. Now let's talk about us. We have promises and prophecies from God that you may think you're disqualified for because of scandals and skeletons in your life. When Isaac was born, it was in the same season they were living in Philistine territory. It's in the same season when, uh, you know, just a little while earlier when they moved there, Abraham lied and said his wife is his sister to cover his own skin. He uncovered his wife, didn't protect her. And then the truth comes out. Well, she's his (laughs) half-sister. Scandal, scandal, time out. God, you've made a covenant with the wrong man. (laughs) Do you have a plan B? What What about Ishmael or Eliezer? I mean, this has gone too far. But God holds true to his promise. The first use of the word prophet in the Bible is in chapter 20, when God tells a Philistine king, Abimelech, the Abimelech, uh, Abimelech is their title for king, means a father king, have Abraham pray for you because he's a prophet. So Abimelech did, but it wasn't until after he rebuked Abraham. (laughs) So in that atmosphere of repentance, God uses Abraham mightily. Now Jesus was born without sin. There was no sin to bring about his conception. His mother was Mary. Well, isn't sin passed down to us from our parents? Listen to what the Torah says. Iniquity is passed down from the fathers to the children to the third and fourth generation. It means your iniquity can have an impact on your great-grandkids. So how we live is important. Break that chain of 
addiction. Break that chain of wickedness. So Jesus was born of woman, called the son of man, but without an earthly father, had a heavenly father. Perfect way in to remedy the needs of the, of the human race. But it was not without rumors, not without uh, conspiracy theories and scandalous accusations. Here comes the Son of God. Not born in a palace, but born in a stable, in a cave, laid in a manger. Not a nice wooden manger, but these mangers are hewn out of stone. So here Jesus is, the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy, the stone made without hands, the stone that would be rejected, the stone that would, God would make the chief cornerstone was laid in a stone manger for you and I. So in the midst of faux scandal, God still pursued. So maybe you haven't done wickedness, but you have gone through such slander that no one will hire you. Well, you were accused of you know what, so we can't hire you. God doesn't think like that. So if you've been falsely accused, you're not disqualified. Pursue his will with all your heart, and he will fulfill his promises in your life. Maybe a doctor told you something. <laughs> you know, get, get your bags packed, you're fixing to die. Or you're losing your, you know, you're losing your, your marbles. Just, it's not over until, until God says it's over. It's not over till you know who sings. And someone saw her down at Jenny Craig, so it's not over. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, your promises, things we're reminded of in this amazing season we call Christmas, a celebration of your birth, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would draw strength from the prophecies and the circumstances surrounding these prophecies, draw strength from those things for our own life in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl and every family in this place today that we would grow in you and that we would not allow our past to hold us back. And Lord, if there's reasons to be held back in our present, Lord, help us to repent and move forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, if you were a jewelry salesman and you wanted to sell a diamond, would you just display the diamond on something that looks like a diamond? It would get lost in the details of what looked like a diamond, right? You'd want to show it on black velvet or uh, some contrasting color to show it. So all this scandal stuff is just backdrop to display the diamond of God's grace. God bless you. Jealous for me, he loves like a
affections are for me. How he loves, yeah, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. Yeah, he loves us. Christmas music when Michael W. Smith came out with his first Christmas album this church was getting started and it seemed like for a year we listened to it non-stop it's a masterpiece and then he came out with a second one with, that was just as good got boys choirs and African choirs and all sorts of different kinds of music I encourage you this Christmas season to read the words of some of the best Christmas carols, the classics, the ones about Jesus. They are rich with theology, absolutely. One of my favorite ones is O Holy Night, and I looked up the history of that song, and it's a fascinating little story. A small French village in 1843 completed renovating their organ and their parish priest commissioned a local poet, Placide Capot, to write a poem to be read on the Christmas Eve service. So he had to take a trip to Paris, and while traveling, he read the, the gospel account of Jesus' birth from the book of Luke. He just soaked in it. Monsieur Capot uh, reached out to a musician, Adolphe Charles Adams, to compose music for the poem. And the song was born, and they sang it three weeks later at that little church on Christmas Eve. And it spread across France like crazy. Everybody loved it until the church leaders discovered that Placide Capot was a socialist. And Adolphe Charles Adams, the music writer, was a Jew and not even a Christian. How dare they? So they banned the song, but too late. <laughs> the common people continue to sing it every Christmas. During the Civil War, John Sullivan Dwight discovered the song. It grabbed his attention. He was an abolitionist. He loved the third verse that said, Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression must cease. So he translated the song. Now, translating songs from one language to the, to the other, you got to do some changes. So he did some changes, you know, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. But and I won't belabor the point of how he did a good job, but I discovered the literal translation of the song. Listen to this gospel truth. Midnight, Christians, is a solemn hour when God as man descended unto us to erase the stain of original sin and end the wrath 
of his Father. The entire world thrills with hope on this night that gives it a Savior. People, kneel down. Await your deliverance. Christmas, Christmas, here is the Redeemer. May the ardent light of our faith guide us all to the cradle of the infant. As in ancient times, a brilliant star guided the oriental kings there. The King of Kings was born in a humble manger. O mighty ones of today, proud of your greatness, it is to your pride that God preaches. Bow your heads before the Redeemer. Whew. The Redeemer has broken every bond. The earth is free and heaven is open. He sees a brother where there was only a slave. Love unites those whom iron has chained. Who will tell him of our gratitude? For all of us he is born. He suffers and dies. People stand up. Sing of your deliverance. Christmas, Christmas. Sing of the Redeemer. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. Thank you, Lord. It's not just for the unbeliever. It's for us. We need it. May we not lose grasp of the beauty of our redemption that you wrought for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we sang earlier, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord God Almighty, Yahweh himself, lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. That peace that passes human understanding. That peace that is based on his conquest and not human compromise. God bless you. Go get them, Tigers. Love you. And Merry Christmas!